Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another one for you. We're going to keep on the Dark Horse train. And those of you that listened all the way through on the last episode, you're going to hear a little bit of Katy Perry's Dark Horse because that's what we're talking about. No, no, we're doing Malfo. So, but anyways, we got a full crew today. We got a special guest. We have Brian out of the Texas Meta. Brian, what's going on? Hey, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I, I always appreciate talking to the Texas guys because you guys are aggro as fuck. And I love that <laughs> gameplay style, man. It's just so much fun. Uh, I don't know. Sitting back and playing schemes is great and all, but there's nothing better than flipping cards and killing models. Well, let me ask you this, Brian. You ever play any uh, Magic the Gathering? Uh, no, I have not. So even though you haven't played it, I think you can appreciate it that when you play an aggro, just faction, game, deck, whatever you're playing in the games you get to play more games because you either win quick or you lose quick and then you can restack and play again. So yeah, yeah I got good. that with a uh, hearthstone. I play there a lot go. of aggro decks in hearthstone. There so. you go. All right. And of course we got our boys Dixon and Chris on as well. What's going on guys. What's going on. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. So before we get into our new dark horse, which we're going to talk about Reva because I know Chris plays her a little bit and has enjoyed her. And then Brian apparently is pretty strong with her. So we're going to see what that's all about. But before we get into that, make sure that you guys are supporting the podcast. Make sure that you're checking us out on YouTube. Uh, we had an Instagram page. Uh, just make sure that you guys are doing that. We also have some information coming out about the discord that I know a lot of people are going to uh, jump on so that'll be fun we got a rage quit wire discord channel that we are going to open up so it's not just going to be the patrons anymore because fuck facebook that's why all right so <laughs> with that being said uh yeah let's just go ahead and get into this thing guys um looking at reva uh i think a lot of people would consider her as a dark horse but I think a couple of us have seen her play and realized that she definitely has her spots. But before we get into uh, talking about Reva specifically, Brian, since you're kind of new, we already have our opinions of what a dark horse is. But what do you think a dark horse is in your own perspective? Um, I think a dark horse would be considered something that is underplayed and underutilized. Um, so I know people just don't like Reva in general. They don't like to play her. I think that's just a holdover from before her errata, back when 3 was first released. Um, post her errata, she is so good, and I don't think she should be considered a dark horse anymore, but people aren't on the train with her yet. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point with dark horses, that I, I think anytime you see a master in Malifaux, and you're like, I don't know what that does, let me look that up, you're probably going in a dark horse situation, and you're probably going to get caught. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Let's go ahead and start with looking at Reva. So, guys, how does Reva work? What does she do? Obviously, she's in Rezzer, so she's got to be a dirty, dirty girl. But, I mean, what does she actually do? So, I, I let I want to let uh, Brian just go and what she does first. But first, some kind of good points about what she's standing on the 
World Cup qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Right now, she's sitting just above Pandora in terms of play rate and win rate. She's at 35% with, uh, I believe it's 19 plays. And 35% win rate doesn't seem very high, but everybody that has played against a good Riva player like you, Brian, mm-hmm. it knows that's a problem. You haven't lost a game with Riva in the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, that's not true. I actually lost last uh, the last tournament into Cadmus that Plag was playing. Ah, now, okay. I did lose that game. That's, that's because, an asterisk, okay? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> uh, I could have won that game. I decided that I was going to try something to see how it worked because I'm still trying to experiment my gameplay into Cadmus. Sure. Um, and honestly, I'm already qualified for the Masters. So I was like, ah, let me see if this works. And then it just backfired and I gave up two points. <laughs> and that's when Brian knew that he done messed up. Yeah. I mean, that's how you have to play, though, right? You oh, just yeah. have to trial and error. Yeah. All right. So, Brian, what does she do then? So, I mean, she's on a horse, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> the, mo- the model's sweet. Like, I love the way she looks. Oh, she's great. I mean, she's on a dark horse. So, like, you know, goes in this whole conversation Perfect. already. Perfect. Um. So, she- on the front of her card, she has this ability called Channeled Flame. And this is something that happened post the last errata. And this is what makes her actually insane to play against. Um, essentially, before she performs a duel, she lowers the value of burning by one on a friendly model with an eight to get plus lifts to that duel. Now, this is any duel, defensive, offensive, simple duels. It doesn't matter. She can just get plus flips to everything. So my play style is very fire heavy, a lot of pyre markers, a lot of playing in my own fire. Um, so literally every time that she flips cards, she's flipping po- uh, positive flips. And what that does is allows her to get a lot more of her abilities off. My opponents go into her thinking she's only defense five, but realistically, I'm flipping better than they are. Also, she has a thing called Funeral Pyre. Uh, when she kills models, she drops pyre markers into base. So she'll kill her own model sometimes, like her own corpse candles, to drop extra pyre markers, just get yep. the extra burning out. Uh, she also gains shielded when she goes into pyre markers once per activation, which is always helpful. Yeah, not nothing. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't come into play or doesn't change the game a lot, but it does always add it to where it's harder to kill her, which is great. Um, She also has Final Veil, where she heals when a model within six dies. Um, Doesn't seem like a lot, but it adds this one adds up a lot over the course of the game, and it makes her extremely tanky. Also, she has the ability to summon a corpse candle with burning into base contact with a corpse or pyre mark within six. Uh, before the errata, she would have to ditch a card to do this. Now she no longer has to, which has made a huge change in her control hands. Um, I mean, just keeping one extra card per turn is significant. And then obviously she's on the horse. She ignores severe terrain. Yeah, and I think the thing that I was... There's there's three things that I was surprised with with Reva. One is just how fast not only she is, but her crew. Like Her crew in general is not slow. I mean, it moves (laughs) up the board decently fast. But the other two things that surprised me was she actually does a good amount of melee damage. <laughs> and then the Unquiet Dead is just, it can t- just destroy your whole crew. So those those two things with her, you know, the Reaping and then the Unquiet Dead, I was like, this, uh, yeah, puts out a lot of damage. Yeah, um, I mean, the Reaping is a three, four, five, and it's so awesome just because you can target through shield or course markers. Um, a lot of people playing into her... Uh, take the approach of I'm going to stay two inches away from corpse markers to try to <laughs> um, stay out of range. 
but her crew has so many shenanigans of dropping course markers or gaining shielded, which gives her so many avenues of attacking yeah. that by turn two, you can't hide from her. She's going to kill what she's going to kill and you can't stop it. So, but also, it, so before you get that, Dixon, I was just going to say that that really protects her too because she can do that damage without overextending, which is a huge deal as far as playing her. Right. And I mean, one of the, one of my favorite things to do is you charge her seven inches and then she can punch something uh, 10 inches away after her charge. <laughs> so she essentially has a 17 inch melee reach. Seems you know, good. It's terrifying. Very, Seems good. very strong. But like something that you mentioned earlier that I think if you could like, spend a little bit, mm -hmm. I don't know how it works that so you can sacrifice a corpse candle and then something happens and you get extra value out of it and i'm pretty sure that's the difference also between a good river player and a bad river player is people that know how to abuse your corpse candles and getting more out of that yeah so the way that i like to abuse my corpse candles is one when you place them they come with burning you place them into a pyre marker so they get additional burning so you get plus two to your next couple flips um uh, she has this ability called Feed on Grief, which isn't talked about a lot. It's not really crazy. It's just a 224 that attacks willpower. Um, but what you'll see is that when she kills a target, she heals two. And then she has a trigger called Siphon Life, which will let her do an extra damage and heal one. So if she's wounded, what she'll do is she will uh, pop out the corpse candle. She'll feed on grief it, kill it, heal for three, drop two pyre markers because it drops on one and dies and then when she kills something it drops a pyre marker she'll heal an additional one from the final veil and then now there's two pyre markers sitting in the middle of your po your opponent's crew that's um, gross that is super <laughs> fucking gross oh my god i hurt my soul <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty good yeah i was gonna say chris when you started you probably have two or three games with reva so i mean what really impressed you with what when you actually put her on the table and started playing her the unquiet dead. Absolutely. <laughs> so was that, when did you figure out that was like super good? Uh, into Cadmus. When you were just lighting them up over, and over, again. Up <laughs> over and over and over and over. Absolutely. Well, and Cadmus it, is also low willpower, right? So yeah. it makes it hit even harder. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a TM 14. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's nothing. That's, that's the part that's that I think. I mean, yeah. That's what I was going to say. And not only that, I mean, you were getting it where it's like, oh, and now I'm injured. So now my willpower is even lower. And now I'm failing it even more. And I was just like, I know that we could play another turn, but I don't want to. This is <laughs> stupid. I don't want to play this. This is dumb. Yeah. That. The only problem with doing it to Cadmus is if they have the emissary with their R up, they can pass the duels. So that way they will end up healing instead of taking yeah. the damage. Um, like my game into Plague, my first time I did it, uh, he healed constantly and then the second time actually the damage so it's well, it's a that, flip that's actually what i didn't like about it brian because not only was i having to deal with, with the dumb action of unquiet dead but i also since i was playing cadmus i'm like well now i gotta heal and now i gotta figure out where i'm moving it and it mm -hmm. it became just it, like we were just saying earlier i want a fun game where it's interactive not all this bookkeeping nonsense and cadmus definitely brings a lot of that yeah and something about the unquiet dead also um that makes it so good is if you can catch three or four models in it, <laughs> the biggest benefit isn't the injured. It isn't the damage. Like those are obviously good pluses, but if my opponent passes those duels or cheats for those duels, I'm in a better spot because those cards are out of his deck. Yeah, absolutely. Right? 
so well, that, that's the same thing brian not to cut you off but no, that's, the same, that's the same thing i tell people when i play wong is like yeah you might pass all those tns but you're gonna run out of cards eventually mm-hmm. yeah i mean all those eights and nines out of your hand in your deck means that yeah. i'm gonna hit you even harder later on with the rest of my models that are also beef sticks you know for sure for um sure. She also, her bonus lets her suck off burning to heal a model with a trigger to do it again. So essentially, she can be down to one and she can heal, what, three, six. She can heal up to 11 wounds from one. <laughs> Seems good. Um, not counting if she kills an opposing, an opposing model with her extra two attacks or unquiet deads. It's insane. Yeah, and you have more games than Chris, because I know, Chris, you pretty much just brought a lot of the keyword stuff, right? I did, yeah. But I was going to ask you, Brian, like, do you, so with the with the buff that they gave her, I know people played her before, but they usually brought a lot of, you know, out of keyword and versatile models with her. Are you staying more in keyword now that she's hitting harder with her mechanics or no? I'm primarily keyword. The only audible I bring in is Anna Lovelace. Um, she just seems good in general. She's the best model in the faction. Uh, Thank you. One. Thank you. <laughs> you know how many wrestlers I've asked that question? They always lie and say, oh, I don't even bring her in my games. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they're wrong. Uh, hands down, the best model in the Reservation. Um, yes. But there's two things that she brings to the Reva crew that um, makes her useful. One is card draw. The Reva crew is inherently just lacking card draw across the board, and they have a lot of card discard mechanics. So you need to keep those cards coming in in order to allow you to discard the card for the uh, for the Juggernaut, for the Take the Hit, and all the other little abilities that they have. The Lamp Pad um, come back to life. Thank, thank you for mentioning the Take the Hit. Have you done ever the stupid Ghost Touch thingy with the Shield Bearer? <laughs> you know I have. Come on. The ghost um, touch thingy with so the shield bearer. The, the, the gray spirit touch. Yeah, please explain to them what it does because it's super gross. And the better you get at the game, the the worse it gets. Now, <laughs> okay. The only thing about it, I think that when you and I played was a year ago before it got ruled in the Vassal tournament as different. Um, so in the Vassal tournament that we're playing, um, you check for terrifying before take the hit happens. So you can no longer take the hit and then force a terrifying duel. Um, and that was from Christ. Yeah. I mean, that was preventing people from like, I'm going to target the carrying emissary, take a target 12, uh, terror duel, and then take the hit and take another target 11 terror duel. It was, it was oppressive. So now they've just said that the initial model is one that you do the terrifying duel on, not the take the hit model. Makes sense. Yeah, um, but I mean, it's still good because not only does it keep the model alive itself, because you still have to take the duel on the model, um, it's regen two with armor one, uh, hard to kill, and um, shield of one typically. So That's exactly really what I was going to get. Kill, yeah, it's a really hard to kill model. <laughs> um, take it down to one, it heals to three, it punches you twice, the weapon has a built in heal. So it just heals back oh. to full, and you go, okay, well, I guess I wasted my entire turn trying to kill this thing. <laughs> and then he gets healed for one quick action, and then we here we go again. Do it yeah. again. It's and so... as models die, he heals. Like Those models don't die. It's great. Yeah, you basically have to find a way to ignore hard to kill and do like seven or eight damage to a five-point model, I think it is, five or six-point model. Yeah, it's six. nuts. Six. Okay. Yeah, six-point model with defense four. They're easy to hit. Um, but they have a lot of healing. Um, 
back to Anna real quick. The one thing that uh, I wanted to mention before we left her was her bonus of pushing an undead model and then making it explode. <laughs> um, that ability combos with Riva because of it. She can take her corpse markers, push, or I'm sorry, her corpse candles, push them three inches, make them explode, give out more injured, uh, place extra pyre marks where you want them to go, draw a card. Um, and it provides a lot of versatility to the Riva crew. So it's like, oh, this model ends activation three inches away from your corpse candle, and is just going to throw it at you and make you take another target 13 move duel, or you gain injured, and then Riva will punch you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's pretty brutal. And so we got a kind of a good idea of what she does. And I think people that definitely haven't played her definitely need to reevaluate it. Um, we talked about it briefly, Brian, but why mm -hmm. do you think people aren't playing her as much? You said it's kind of a hangover from the initial release, but is there anything else to make you think why people might not be playing her? I think she's a hard to master keyword. Um, it takes a lot of investment. So before... Before the errata, I played 20 games in a row with Riva before I won a single game. Wow. Um, it was just so difficult trying to figure out all the little combos and tricks. Was that almost like a personal challenge for you? Like, I'm <laughs> going to win one. Yeah, so uh, I like challenges. And so I, I would like to take the underpowered masters and put them on the board and figure yeah. out how to make them work. And then run them into people and make them go, oh my God, that's that's worse than I thought it was. Like, <laughs> how is this so good? I thought this was bad, you know? Like, yeah. that brings me a good, a uh, large amount of pleasure, you know? The, inter the internet told me this was bad. Yeah. I mean, you just described how I describe Dark Horses. Literally, yeah. that's my description of Dark Horses. Is there, I don't know, is there a better strategy and scheme-wise that you like bringing with Riva, is there something she fits better into than the other ones? Anything that has to do with killing is going to okay. be really strong for her. Um, her crew punches really hard uh, as a whole, and it doesn't die because of how much healing it has. So, you know, I like Recover Evidence with her. Um, Recover Evidence is good because of all the pushes that she has, the offensive pushes. Yeah. So a model with two wounds, a shield bearer, can charge it, uh, shield bash it, move it two inches, and then pick up the marker. Riva with the pulled here and there can move models around. Uh, I also like her into uh, ley lines because our crew is inherently fast so they can get to the ley lines. Yeah. And then again, the offensive pushes are there. So they run up on that middle marker to try to claim it and you just shield bash them off the marker and <laughs> deny them point for a turn. Yeah. And any master crew that can not only move quickly, but also can reposition the enemy is going to be good in ley lines for sure. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. Um, <laughs> is it? <laughs> for me not, it is not i was gonna say not sound like fun for the non-reba player well it's not as bad as cadmus you know it's not it's not an mpe okay right? well i mean you're talking like one end versus the other right true as i'm talking about Gattin. top level versus bottom level yeah. Of the <laughs> yeah all right so you got to get your reps in and i think i think you're right there's a lot there to be said with a master that requires a lot of reps that some people don't want to do that much homework on a master they don't want to put that time in no, not at all. Like who who really has time to play that many games? Uh to apparently, learn a single master. You, Brian, apparently you do. I, I, I was on <laughs> I had to take a staycation to burn vacation time and my buddy and I just we literally we just re-racked every single day like two or three games a day. Oh, there you go. Because we had nothing else to do with our lives. So um but I mean if you put the time and the work into her and figure out all the little like tricks that has that she ends up having to do to become effective, um, she gets real scary real fast yeah 
Yeah, I definitely like the changes that they made to her just because it, it makes her just solid. It makes her where she has a lot of playability. So that, that's that got to be rewarding as a player when you, you're like, I, I played this master and struggled, and now I actually have some good tools to use. Yeah, I mean, once it's after all the changes, um, it just made my game plan so much easier and so much yeah. better. Um, those plus flips were huge. <laughs> Definitely. So, Chris, what about you? What are you thinking as far as Reva? I know that you've been on this like Von Stuck kind of bandwagon, but <laughs> I mean, are you, are you looking at playing more Reva? You've played her a few times now. Yeah, absolutely. I love Reva. Reva's awesome, and um, I have to uh, I have to remind myself to use the uh, the plus flips. Yes, I, it's not it's not something that uh, I inherently I'm like oh yeah, and in fact I'll find myself missing it so many times. I'm like ah now now my my model's on fire. Damn it! That's the whole purpose of setting your crap on fire. Yeah, that's why I did that. <laughs> yeah, and it's also a juggling act of making sure that you use the burning correctly. That way, your models aren't taking too damage if they lose their shielded. So it's like, oh, this model has four burning. Let me take one off to reduce the amount of burning damage it'll take. Yeah, um, it's a nice little juggling act you gotta do, but it's super good. When somebody sees Reva gets dropped again, like across the table from them, um, I mean, if you don't know anything about them, what should you be doing to basically? strategize against Reva. What are you doing to try and counter what you don't know that is coming? So we're trying to help those players out too. Well, I don't want to help them out. <laughs> I just want to keep winning my games. <laughs> um, I mean, I think one obvious one is if you have something in your faction that can remove markers and remove conditions, that's something where you need to bring a little bit of that. The, those are the two main things that you're yeah. going to want is offensive condition removal, um, if you can take the burning off my models so that way I can't use it against you, that's going to be really good. Yep. Um, and then, so I, I've learned that I can't run Reva into Bayou at all. Like yeah, she's Bayou, Bayou has a lot of marker removal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the um, the, emis, the lucky emissary just flips a four and then charges 12 inches across the table and just picks yep. up all my pyre markers and yeah, then she sort of stalls out. That's, that's why I was kind of mad when I was playing against uh, Chris with Reva and same thing with Karis where I'm just like, man, I just wish I had the lucky emissary and I could just bowl through all this <laughs> bullshit. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. It's frustrating. Um, so you got those two things. The other one would be to, um, I mean, you just have to make sure that you are prioritizing your targets correctly. Make sure that when you punch something, you need to put in the AP to kill it because yeah. they will heal. Well, if you're, if you're like, Oh, this model has one health left. I'll leave it alone. She's going to bring it back up to full. Well, what's the uh, what's the one model that they can keep bringing back if they just pitch a card? I think it's the uh, the lamp pad. Yeah, so you got to be aware of those as well. Yeah, but they're terrible models. <laughs> okay, so you don't bring those? No, not okay. like it's it's very rare. Um, like it's a defense four model. You pitch a card, it comes back at three life, and then they punch it again, take it, kill it. You pitch another card. It's just such a resource drain. Okay. Well, but, good, good. Now Chris can just keep that in his bag then. Because <laughs> Greg, I think Chris, you played one game where you had two of them. I did. Yep. Uh, it's just so many resources to keep them up. It's, it's just terrifying. Um, like you just don't have the card draw to keep that sustainable. Um, and they do, and they are eight stones. So I mean, that is a decent amount too. Right. So, if there were six stones, maybe, maybe seven. So the 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 thing that keeps coming up, the card hand thing. 
that's actually a huge problem across the game because some crews are much better at drawing cards than others. Like Von so, Stuck? Yeah. yeah. Right. Von Stuck is incredible at drawing cards, and any of his minions that can actually help with the draw card for any of the other masters in the faction is usually look like a boon or like justice plan, you know, from the developers. But you, you got to introduce a little bit of leniency to some of the discards that crews do. Um, that, like you said, that change that they did, where you can create a corpse candle without having to discard card, mm-hmm. it added one card to your hand. How many cards do you usually end up at the end of the turn? One or two. But, See? but yeah, I mean, zero. I have zero. I spend them all. Yeah, it's. <laughs> but the problem is like those turns where you do end up with zero because you had to spend your cards for different things. Like a lot of her abilities go off on fours. Yeah. Um. I, if I could have an extra card at the end of my turn that I can pitch and I won't see next turn, that's way better going to the following turn. Because then yeah. my deck goes from 54 cards to 53 cards and slightly better. You know? And that last, the the whole, you know, having to have cards to be able to pitch for the next turn so you don't get to see them. I improved so much in this game the, the moment that I realized the card economy is like a domino effect because it goes carries over from turns. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I could talk for hours about card economy and how, <laughs> and how you have to play your hands and what to keep, what, what not to keep. And part of the reason what makes Reva so good is that her card economy is so strong with those plus flips mm-hmm. that you're flipping, because you're flipping more cards, you're going to get more hits. You're you see get more, more of successes. your deck. Yeah. yeah. And the, then her weakness of being, you only get fire when you're in your activation or when you get moved is also big because you want to stack yourself with like three or four fire but i'm assuming that at the end of the turn you don't want to have that fire on you yeah i mean typically i'll just when i charge her i'll charge her into a pyre marker so then that way she just stacks burning cool. um, so, so let me ask you this then guys uh, is reva if you can pressure reva's and obviously this is for any master but does it hurt her more if you're a master that can really pressure the hand and make you get rid of cards where you sh- don't want to get rid of them mm-hmm uh, I think it depends on if if they're trying to rely on take the hit or juggernaut or keep that lamp pad up because those right. are the three discards within her crew. Other than that, I don't see her as being more card hungry than other crews. Okay, uh, like McCabe obviously is super card hungry because he needs such high cards on all of his um, all of his duels. Yeah, uh, more than any other master, I don't see it being a problem. So okay. earlier when I mentioned uh, this is before the podcast. Uh, when I played against Riva, usually I'm having a smaller elite crew, and I didn't see as much AOE damage at, at that time as what Chris and Pete were talking to me on, on our podcast. Um, do you your, see yourself switching constantly on your game plan with Riva because of that? Not necessarily. So the Unquiet Dead is, at this point, it's more of a deterrent than it is an offensive ability um, because of most of my opponents know what it does. Stay away from the pyre markers and they will just avoid clumping their crew. Um, yeah. Like I, I won't do it on if I'm only going to get two models per shot. It's not worth it. I'd rather just hit something. Well, I was going to say it, it seems like one of those abilities where exactly what this dark horse kind of series is about is when you play against her the first time you probably will clump up and you'll Mm -hmm. get punished by it and then the next time you're like 
F that model. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, those fire markers. Let me spread out a little bit. That way, you can yeah. only hit two models per explosion rather yeah, than. Chris taught me the hard way. It's a very, it's a very difficult player. thing to dodge for normal players. Yeah. What was that, Chris? I said the poor new player who plays against you. Ah. Oh. So yeah, let's talk about <laughs> yeah. that. If you go against a noob, are you just gonna flame the crap out of them? <laughs> hey, watch this. No. Get wrecked. No. Noob. Yeah, because you have to be I, what is it like five inches roughly away from a pyre? I mean, two inches away from a pyre marker. A pyre marker is about two inches, so it's like a four-inch diameter on the. Or uh, if you stand in the middle of it, won't hit you. If you just if you just embrace the fire, it can't touch you. That's sure. genius. I didn't even sure. think about that. It literally pulses out from the edges. So if you're a thirty or forty millimeter base inside the fire, it won't actually hit you. That's like those. Uh, that's like when you're back in the day, you do like a World of Warcraft raid, and you always had the one to two people that <laughs> just stood in the fire, and it's like it's not a buff. It's not a buff. <laughs> Rule but, number one: get out of the bad stuff. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if, if you're like, hey, my master's, I don't want him to get pulsed on, you just walk him into the middle of the pyre marker and then he can't be hit by them quite dead. I've had that used a couple of times. It's not extremely effective, but it has helped. Uh, but right. yeah, I mean, a new player, I'm not going to stop him to the ground the first time I play him. <laughs> like, that's it's a little rough. All right, so if you're in Texas and you're a new player and you catch Brian round one, don't get caught by that uh, Reva firebomb. Yeah, if you're in te- if it's a live game in Texas, uh, I'm going to punch you in the throat. Like, that's yeah. how it goes. <laughs> well, and it's especially when you go to a tournament and you don't know everybody in the tournament. You like, I, So Chris can talk to this too. We had just a side note before we keep on Revaing it up. But we were down in a tournament in Savannah, and this was for War Machine. And we had one of our buddies, I think it was Matt, Chris, if I remember right, he was playing against a guy and the guy said, oh, yeah, I'm new. I, you know, I haven't played in this edition, blah, blah, blah. Well, he played in previous editions. He just didn't play the new. Oh, that was you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And anyway, so Chris, being the nice man that he is, took it easy and he ended up get. did you get stomped or just get beat? It's like turn three, man. Like it was just, it was, I got stomped. Just assassinate. Well, yeah, he, he, he was playing Wormwood too, I think. He was playing. Uh, yeah, he was. He was playing Wormwood, and I was. I dropped uh, uh, the Witch Kevin into it. That's what I'm saying. So you, you got to be nice to newer players, but in a tournament, you still got to kind of go at it because you, yeah, don't, know, you yeah. don't know. So from now on, I'm punching everyone in the throat when it comes to tournaments. <laughs> well, I mean, it, which, which is you're playing. Did differential matters so much yeah. that. Like I'll be nice the game mm-hmm. throughout the game. Like I'm gonna give helpful ten, hints and be like, "Hey, this is what my crew does. This is what you want to avoid." But if yeah. I say, "Hey, you should avoid pyre markers," and they walked into them, you're like, well, "What am I gonna do?" <laughs> I mean, I told you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I try to warn you. Now I'm gonna teach you why you don't do this. In Vassal, well, though, it, you get a lot of people that are like they're experienced with the game to a degree, and they're trying to get into Vassal because they, they can get more opponents, but it's hard, dude. Like, it's you try to talk to them through it, and sometimes they, they try to sneak in more points. Well, I'm not like, gonna... come on now, man. We're trying to, like, I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> Any Anybody that's played against me, and I mean, I'm not a new player, but I, you know, when I was a kid, I touched the stove, right? Like, I had to learn by doing, and that's just, that's me. Like, my parents could sit there and be like, don't touch it, it's hot. Didn't matter, right? I had to touch it. But it's the same thing. I mean, Chris and I play all the time and I'll be like, that is so dumb. He's like, I literally told you about this at the yep. beginning of the game. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that's how I learn. I, I learn just by it. I have to see on the table and I have to yeah. be affected by it, which is which is why, like, when you see me play games, I'll do really dumb things uh, because it's like, I just need to know if this works. Like, yeah. I'm assuming it doesn't, but I need to see how this plays out. Okay, that didn't work. I will never do that again. Got yep. it. Yep. I mean, for the sure. example that you gave earlier is a perfect example. You're, you're already qualified. You're just waiting for <laughs> August. And what better play... What, I'm sorry, what better place for you to practice something high risk, high reward than in an actual tournament game? And it I guess it's probably out. one of the best players in the world, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's debatable because there's another guy that's actually higher than him, but uh, he is yeah. very loud. The guy is very, very loud. <laughs> yeah, I think Not So Empty is higher than him, but I think Correct. it's because he's so good with Cadmus. Yep. Um, I mean, Not So Empty is a great player. Mm-hmm. Just, he is. Uh, those are definitely someone to watch out for. Well, that and that's kind of the thing, right? And that's that's why if you if you pick one of these dark horses in a tournament and you're going against the best player in the tournament and they're playing one of the best crews in the game, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough for you. I don't think that's a time you pull your dark horse out. I think that's a time where if if you know they have the knowledge, they're not going to get caught by that, right? So right. Unless, unless the when Pete pulls out his dark horse. Well, you know, I, I like to do what I do. So, <laughs> I, I mean, technically, that game I, I only lost by one point. Yeah. Um, into Cadmus with Riva, and I, I would do it again. I have yeah. no regrets. So, what in that matchup made you still want to drop Riva there? Um. So I, I can't remember. I think it was. Uh, public enemies. I think it was public enemies. So she's really strong and survivable in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ran a Reva style gun line. So Reva sat back and just hit them through corpse markers. I had Vincent shooting. I had Anna shooting. Um, and I forced him to slow walk across the board to come at me. And it, it worked out really well. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cadmus, I think that the, the way to beat him is to kill the eyes and ears. And I was just doing that in droves. But there, there was a there's a moment where I brought the dead writer because I wanted to see what summoning the zombies was like. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, it's fun. It was a lot of fun and it was very effective. But I did it again on turn four. I exposed him with one wound. He killed him, got Vendetta and got um, he got public enemies off of him. When I uh, should have just like ran him to a corner and hit him. Yeah, he got two points off it. Yeah, I should have just like hit him and let him just uh, cower, essentially. I mean, you could think of it as the the dead rider should have just rode off into the sunset or yeah. darkness or wherever he goes. But I mean, overall, like I think that her crew performed so well yeah. into most scenarios that I have no issues putting her against any master other than Bayou. Like anyone that's not Bayou, I'm okay with her seeing the board. So you're okay with her into a lot of the Ten Thunder matchups too? She does okay there. Yeah, um, I don't. Like obviously there's some weaknesses, but um, I think that I'm a strong enough player to get around it. Okay. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing when you decide to play a dark horse is that you need to, it you can't be reading your cards. You need to know what tool to pull out of the bag. That's the big thing in this series that I'm noticing. Yeah, you need to know your crew, and you and you need to know your opponent, your opponent's crew. You need to know what they're going to do. How like the Tunuki's going to remove all the fire, so you got to kill him early. Um, Fuhatsu is going to shoot you to death, so you need to engage him to prevent him from shooting you to death. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, as long as you know your own crew and you know it well enough to know all the tricks and how to do, how to get X and Y to happen, you should be in a good spot. 
All right, so the last thing that we're going to talk about is, Dixon, you pulled up a bunch of uh, uh, stats because we're known as the Stat Podcast. I don't know if you know that, Brian. But I do not know that. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. not, it's, not, it's not a thing. But Dixon did pull some numbers off the internert. Yes, yes, I did. What are you, what would you like me to talk about? Well, so you want to just talk about kind of what you noticed as far as uh, you were comparing a lot of the numbers to Pandora and as far as like the win percentage and just some things you noticed as far as Reva goes. So I noticed that Reva and Pandora, basically, they and this is again, uh, I tried to get more information, but the committee is is dead set, zero tolerance. On giving out information on the players, mm-hmm. so I could not get who plays what, other than like asking around for best players for what reason, and then talking to Brian. Then we find out that he hasn't lost a game with Riva until very recently. Yeah. So that is as much as I can give you on the player part. Now, as far as masters go, I like to go with 15 games minimum. Uh, to see what are the most played masters because there's only like 80 something or 90 something of us and we only have information since november right yeah with that being said number one in the list nexus with 71% win rate mm-hmm. and i believe it's like something like 29 games she uh, only did release i think that'll go down huh i think that'll go down i hope so but she's <laughs> only been released for what two to three tur- two to three tournaments uh yeah i think January, let's see. Yeah. March, April. No, February because February was the one that you had to do um one in oh, fuck, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Where you have to do one of a different master, the Iron Scorpius. The Iron Scorpius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she didn't do well on that tournament, I if I remember correctly. No, cuz it was, was the first, first time that she came up. Yeah. But then after that, she was able to go just hog wild and she stayed above 50% win rate when everybody was starting to wise up against her and getting practice against her. And the 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 cup qualifiers are like some of the best players I've ever seen play this game because we're all from all over the world from every meta. Yeah. And her win rate just stayed and I'm I'm worried about that. After we talked about it in our podcast and I was like kind of like wavering whether or not she was actually stronger or not than Jetsa. Jetsa has like a 30% win rate on crap. Let's oh I I lied. I'm sorry. She's a 47% win rate. So well, she's sub 50. So I think my only counter to those statistics would be look at the players that are playing Cadmus. Yes. Because of like we talked about the top two players right now which I'm hoping to knock them down this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um play almost exclusively Cadmus, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. and I think that anytime you look at the stats, you need to ask yourself, okay, is it because the faction is powerful Which or are. are the best players playing that faction or yep. playing that master in this case? So, yep. you do have to balance that because it, it, good players tend to play the good things, right? Because they, they realize there's um, specific advantages they can pull from those models in certain situations. So, you yes. do have to decipher between the two. Oh, absolutely. Cuz I was that's why I was going to go with the second highest win rate master with 27 wins is my girl Titania. And I don't play her unless I'm like almost 100% sure that I'm going to win. That's surprising. Are people just not that guy face there, Brian? But that was a what? That was a really good stink guy face there. Like he's like hello. Twenty-six games, sixty-seven percent win rate. Who is losing to Titania? 
<laughs> See again, like no, no, and I was surprised because I consider her a dark horse, but no, she she has a large play rate and a large uh, like and a high win rate. So they and the people that lose: uh, Bass, Colette, Dreamer, Karib, Leviticus, Matucket, Marcus, Misaki, Ophelia, Parker, Sandeep, Juancho, Yoko, Zip, and Sarita. And something See, that I noticed from every single one of those guys is that they play well into really bad terrain. Hmm. And I guess the really bad terrain is the time that you bring out Titania, and she is the queen of, oh, this board sucks. I'm going to make it worse. I'm going to throw it back. (laughs) Uh, And to be fair, Dixon's the only one playing her, so. In our group. In our group. (laughs) No, I I have one tie and I think four or five wins. Like, I haven't lost with her yet. Again, because I only play her when I'm, like, very, very sure that I'm going to win. All right, Dixon, let, let's play some Reva versus Titania and see what happens. It, again, it's based on the board. Like, I'm not I, saying that I'm going to crush you regardless of what master you play, but the, the board is, like, in my yeah. favor. That's when I usually play her. I want to I know when this game's going off. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch it. All right, all right. We can definitely do that. Okay, but like, I mean, can we can we talk for a second about how I don't like the Vassal boards in general? <laughs> well, how do you feel about the boards this tournament, though? I haven't Me? looked at I haven't looked at the ones this tournament, but oh, okay. Because yeah, like yeah. Uh, Nick from our meta actually made the boards, and mm-hmm. the ones that he made for this tournament are all really, really good. Okay. Um, they're just mm. their initial maps were terrible, but um, I'm trying to convince him to make more maps because I feel like he's just a good map maker. So, so I don't know if you know this, Brian, but I do have a book of grudges, and when I played in a Malifaux league over last summer. I played uh, Hamlin, and the map was so terrible, it bottlenecked me into one specific situation. And then I just got flamed to death by, I think it was Sonya or whoever the hell. But it, And I was just like, oh, my rats. And it made me sad. And and then Vassal went into the Book of Grudges and stupid boards. So the one thing I would say <laughs> is, like, we know what the maps are a month out. Yeah, so, I mean, you should deal. be able to know what, like, what masters work on which maps yeah early like well i mean because i know people don't remember from you know the before times right but when you went to a tournament that's the first thing you do you get up to your table and you look at it and you're like hmm i can't play this master on this table yeah you go i've got three masters i cannot drop this one here because this train is terrible yeah yeah and again i'll play you titania regardless of but like <laughs> giving you the caveat it's like I know for a fact that I only play her when I see the turn and go, oh, this is my jam. All right. I'm going to make an all forest board. We'll see. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, Dixon, that reminds me of when we were playing Guild Ball. And if you were a hunter player, you always saw the hunter players want to go to the boards that had a bunch of forest. It was like a black hole whenever there was a forest (laughs) on the table. Like all hunter models would be like gravitating towards it. It's like, I'm going to scooch over here. I'm going to scooch over here again. Uh, I uh, sent you guys the uh, the player package in case you want to see it. Uh, I think Nick did a fantastic job, even though that it looks like it's a lot of terrain. The reason is, if you were a tournament player and you look at past ter- uh, tournament maps, you go, why in the actual fuck? Like, <laughs> really? And and we have to study all the lines that you see at the bottom, where this is, like, what the terrain is. Yeah. We have to study that in detail, too, because, like, all right, so I can't stand on rocks on this map. And I have to be aware that this door over here counts as this. And like, you have to be careful where you move. Yeah. I mean, it lets you, the thing is that you have a lot of people who say, I, uh, I play it this way or I play it that way. And Correct. having that map comments and terrain definitions allows the games to be a lot more streamlined and less yeah. confusion. Yeah. That's yeah. important for sure. 
Oh my god. Because like there's there's a and I again it's not like a common occurrence, but there are players that start the game, make the assumption and say, Oh, we never specify what a bush is or what is, so I'm just playing it as it is. And I'm like, there's a player package, dude. Like just go read it right now. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> do, do you guys like round four? Remember the Alamo? <laughs> <laughs> It's just a that's big a, Texas stamp. Uh, yeah, I'm like, that's a lot of terrain. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's I, how much terrain we typically play in our uh, in our meta. It's like 20 I really like the concealment uh, dense in the middle. It's like thirty percent. I like playing Wong and being able to see the entire other side <laughs> of the board. Yeah, oh, that's sure. not how it's supposed to be. No, that's how Wong loves it. That's, that's how gun lines win every game. That's right. That's God intended. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of terrain out there in actual Texas, right? It's a lot of lot of plains, a, and a lot of flatland, and some rolling hills every now and then. Hey, I lived in Kansas, man. You know, I'm all about that. Just flat sea, miles and Hell miles yeah. ahead of you. Hmm. All um, right. Well, well ahead, one Jake. more thing that I want to point out. Uh, so one of the things that I keep hearing about whenever anybody mentions. Outcast, and I have to say this because it hurts my soul too. Um, Leviticus always comes up as like, oh, he's the best master in Outcast. He's the best master in Outcast. Yeah. Or Leviticus, his sub 15 plays. He's like 13 games of, or, or something stupid low like that. 11. Leviticus has 11 games played and he has a stupid 27% win rate. How, how many Outcast games have there been total though? That like is, you aren't playing uh, Outcast. Nobody plays Outcast, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So I picked Outcast in this tournament to try to remind myself why I said that I stopped playing Outcast and start playing Neverborn. They're very skewed. Outcast usually have like a silver bullet that gets thrown at them, and it seems to be bad. Like Leviticus is anti demise, and um, what you would call it, Hamlin is anti movement and anti demise too, to an extent. And I mean, yeah, it's just really bad right now. <laughs> I think. Really I bad. mean, I I started with Outcast, and I can just tell you that mm. I feel like, like once again, I was telling you, Dixon, before unless it was Zip, and I love the way Zip plays, and obviously that's why I went to buy you. But right. the rest of the faction to me is just kind of boring to play. It's very vanilla. Yep. 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 Oh, by the way, highest win rate with ten games played in outcast hamlin with 70 percent win rate i'm about to knock one less from that because i just lost my game with hamlin Boo. hey hey fair warning <laughs> if anybody watches that game i played against fucking dashel where you can't move anything you just can't move anything and you can't obey rats so i, I lost six four and i feel like it's a moral victory <laughs> okay but that's it like the more i look at this the worse it gets because the perfect win rates is Ophelia and Hoffman with 24 games for Ophelia, 36 games for Hoffman. And they seem to be like the most level-headed masters in the game, according to this statistics. But Nexus just crushes all. Oh, what about Von Stuck? Von Stuck is 41%. I mean, blah, blah, 41 games, 56% win rate. He is among the highest play rates in the game. Yeah, I like Von Stuck. He's fun. No, he's, not the highest, but he's up there. I think, I think I I've lost a game with, with uh, Shook yet. Mild shock. Yeah, <laughs> I want to pull this back into uh, Riva though, and find out what Brian's uh, standard list is. What do you What do you normally yeah, bring? Yeah, great question. Uh, hold on, let me pull it up. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. You got to wait a minute. Chris has to get his uh, notepad out. I already got my notepad out. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Because I wanted to let you guys know who do you think is the most played master in the game in the tournament meta? Didn't you just say Nexus? Nope. 
I said the high. That's the highest win rate, but I didn't say who was the most played master. Ah, uh, Dreamer. Ooh, Dreamer is thirty-seven oh, 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 oh. games, pretty high up there. Von Stuck is the second highest with forty-one. Hmm. I, feel, I feel like yeah. You, I feel like you showed me this already. Uh, I think you should know who it is because it's a Bayou model. Is it Zoraida? Nah, Zoraida is like fifth with thirty-three games. Crazy. It is since everybody tried. It's Zip. 45 uh, games. I that. 45 games played, and I believe he he's sub 50% win rate. Uh, is 44% win rate. 40, no, 45 a, games, 50, uh, 44% win rate. Yeah, you, you showed me that. Yeah, Pete was on a zip kick a long time ago. And then I put him on the paint table, so he's not in my bag. So that, I got to get him back in the bag so I can use him again. He's, he's always like, I'm going to play zip. And he comes over, and he's like, oh, I forgot my model. <laughs> yeah. Long. I feel like he's, he's not a... I don't think he is considered a dark horse by any measure. I think people literally go for Zip constantly because he's so, like, I don't, know, I don't want to say so, straightforward, but he's so well known. Does that make well, sense? Plus, he's just fun, dude. There's just his crew is just infamous for fun. Yeah, that's true. Put, put well, your fun hat on. Yeah, and anyway, that's all, it, yes. I was just gonna say. Anyways, let's get this uh, some basic uh, basic models from from Brian here that he likes using. Yeah. So it's. Reva with the Whisper, uh, Anna Lovelace, or I might audible her out for Vincent, depending on the matchup, if it's a summoning crew. Um, Draugr and Shieldbear, both with Grace Beer's Touch. And then the rest you just play with as you need for the counters or for the map. So when Yudo will make the list sometimes, um, the Emissary will make it every now and then, very rarely. It's, it's a terrible model. I'd give you 40 reasons why I hate that model. <laughs> um the writer sometimes will make it in there, but generally it's going to be Anna, Draugr, Shieldbear, Reva, and then the upgrades. And then the rest I is love, just filler. I love the emissary. Dude, zero inch reach. He just, he crumbles. Well, I think you, I think you use him mostly in, uh, who's the master you bring him with, Chris? Seamus. But she, oh, so, okay. But Seamus makes sense. Yeah. Um, when you're trying to play Pyre heavy and he is creating markers, you have to watch the pyre markers because you can't drop them on top of each other. So, like, literally, your place to drop the marker, the little cough markers, is just super limited by Reva. Yeah. So, wait, wait. So, you can't drop them because they're impassable? Is that the reason why? No, because you can't create markers on top of other markers. Yeah. Ah, tracking. And then she can't drop them under impassable. Yep. So, like, you get a bunch of markers on the table, but it makes it a lot more difficult to decide on which market to drop them where. And then zero inch reach just pisses me off. <laughs> it, is, it is very irritating. It Mind, got... Reminds me of playing pigs. Yeah, I just, I will, I don't like zero inch reach models. I won't play them. I wasn't asked why, but I assume it's something to do with either engagement or threat range. I, I think it's, it's because, it, well, I also think it's sloppy as fuck because when you charge and you have a zero inch reach, there's places people will put a zero inch reach model where it's like, if they're going in a straight line, they can't get to that spot mm. and get in base contact. Yeah. And like I play against Nikim a lot with, uh, with Andre. Um, so I'm very used to the two inch reach versus one inch reach and how annoying that is with your AP economy. Yeah. The zero inch, re- the zero inch reach models have the same horrible economy, but against everything else in the game. <laughs> it's Just, true. That is true. Um, a one inch reach from all this runs up on and says, okay, now you're essentially you're slow. Well, what about the, what about the, uh, the new models that have that ability? Uh, what is it called? Elusiveness or evasiveness? 
Slippery. Slippery. Slippery? <laughs> totally not the same thing. What? Uh, dude, it's a translation thing. Come on now. You know that I speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's an ability that it's on the uh, Explorer Society. You cannot engage these models unless you're in base-to-base contact with them. I mean, that, that would be cool, but I don't think it would make sense on the Emissary. Oh, I'm not saying that it makes sense in the Emissary, but uh, would that fix some of the problems? I, I think the Emissary, honestly, I think the Emissary should be a one-inch reach because he's such a big model that even his beak should be able to like reach <laughs> like, out. Peck, peck 100% over. agreed. Yeah, but uh, I'm talking about like the other zero zero. Yeah, like Corvus Rook. Yeah, I think that does fix it because the only way to engage him is to actually walk into their engagement. Correct. Um, mm. and I think that w- that does fix the zero inch reach models, mm. but you can't give it to everyone because then it's not really an ability. I mean, uh, I agree. Honestly, I agree. and once again, this is kind of coming from Guild Ball. The I feel like the zero inch reach. I only like that as a melee reach range if the model has an ability that is like you need to be base to base. So like, for example, the the pigs have that ability where it's like if you're base to base, you can take a damage and do a damage. And right. I, I think that makes sense for a zero inch reach model. But if if there's not something like that in their abilities, I think just make it one should be the baseline. Or if he, even if he had like a bonus to push an inch or two. Yeah. Just that way you uh, don't lose uh, AP. So with Chris, I think Chris, you're... You're talking about high risk, high reward, and with um with Brian, I think Brian's just talking about just utility, because both of those instances actually would be great for the model. Well, but like with Seamus, Seamus has a whole different reason to bring him, which yeah. is dropping forward corpses to give him four AP. Yeah, true. Um, no one else. You can bring a Sura, but she's trash. Um, <laughs> no one else in Resers has a way to drop course markers forward like that while still being survivable like you can bring what a grave digger or mortimer which yeah, mortimer. mortimer which eh. oh, Morty. yeah i know it's eh. wait what's wrong with mortimer i haven't he's, seen he's any he's other eh. i mean yeah he's just eh. yeah he's just he's not worth eight points i mean he's not at all okay he, even a sir is not worth eight points <laughs> um man i've seen that model do magic which one? Azura. Sorry, I've seen Azura do magic. Like the fact that her mindless zombies can actually interact from across the table. Yeah, like she was good in GG Zero when you had like the, I mean, uh, so the idols. Yeah. I mean, okay, so she needs a line of sight. So you summon your zombie that you spent a stone to summon a freaking mindless zombie. Uh, then your opponent just throws a height three model in between her and the zombie, and then it can't do anything. Oh, I don't know. It's just it's not efficient. And then so you have to bring her. You have to put the whisper on her so she becomes ten stones. And then to make her summon out off a corner, you have to actually spend. You have to spend a stone. She just eats everything. I I want to apologize for people that hate resers and have had to listen to the last five minutes. Of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like uh, I have a lot of opinions on all the reser models, so no, it, I will talk forever about no, it. No, it, it's fine. I just I'm just sitting here like that. Just sounds stupid. Yep, don't like that. No, nope. okay, cool. I don't, if we're up here complaining about it. <sighs> okay. I just hear whisper and I want to punch babies. Whisper is yeah. great. I, don't know it is. I think most of us agree that whisper needs to be changed. If, no. if, if it were to be changed, it's fine. Hate, hate. It's fine. If it were to be changed, how would you change it and still want to use it without I, I keeping it. intuition? 
You just heard him. He said he wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't change it. Like, <laughs> uh, so biased. Both I of mean, you are so biased. No, no. Like, I, I would change Gary Spears' touch. That that's what I would change. Really? I would take it down to Region One to be more fair. But that is that is <laughs> to be more fair. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, right. yeah, the grief that I've had with that combination there, Pete. I'm telling you right now, I see it all the time. And the amount of actions that I had to take to kill a model with great strength touch is infuriating. Oh, I bet. That's wonderful. Eat it. It's, I mean, uh, I like <laughs> that. That's when I start getting salty and I'm just like, I'm. Um, mm, mm. yep. <laughs> I don't like be, I don't like being touched this way. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, any last minute things about Riva or anything else as far as Dark Horses before we get on up out of here? No, I think I've pretty much said everything I want to say about her. Yeah, we, yeah we made, made the case. I, yep. I do want to thank Brian for coming in because uh, we we do have Chris that has some experience with Riva, but I, I wanted to have somebody from the tournament actually come in and talk about like what we've seen because our, our experiences are very different from most of my friends when they talk about the game in real life. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, like, like Chris hasn't even like probably touched, you know, even half of what Brian probably knows about Riva. But I think even after a couple of games, Chris started kind of looking at it like, you know, she's pretty fucking good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, she's actually powerful. Okay. Uh, And then me playing against it, I'm like, man, this is uh, this is not good. (laughs) And I mean, even like we're talking about with like, you know, how people play in the meta versus globally. I think that's been a benefit of the Vassal League that we were playing in yeah. is that, I mean, playing against top players across the entire world is just a different experience than just playing with your own lo- local meta. You see so many different, um, so many different masters, so many different play styles, um, so many different types of decision making. It's, um, it's been a really fun experience. Also yeah. watching like two of the metas in the world that I'm just shocked by how good the players are and how big their meta is, both Russia and Spain. Yeah. Just like baffled at the the quality of players that they have and how many players they have. So Russia, I think, is a special case. Um, they play a lot of games, and then they also record every game, and then they watch like their games. They, and they like analyze. analyze. It. Yeah, they're they constant. Little Monday every single game they play, every game they play, they always go back and they analyze and they say, "How do I do better?" Yep. Um, which I don't think any other metas really do that a lot. Nah, man, move on to the next one. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time yeah. to watch a four-hour game. Yeah, the, yeah, Spaniard no people, the Spaniard people, they they play a lot of games in person, mm-hmm. and they take they do similar. They don't actually study the videos like you're talking about, but they do have conversations between each other. So it's like, no, no, you got to do X, Y, and Z in this order. You have to make sure that this happens. So when I play against them, I see it's like five different people's basically – Playing against me, that's how it feels like sometimes. I was like, oh my god, this guy just switched on me. <laughs> so the the way you do that is you just have the way you beat that is you just have to throw so many wrenches at them and just yep. make their decision making so much harder that they can't think back and go, how would so and so deal with this? Right. And that's a problem. Like I I can sometimes do it, but I'm not a perfect person, so I yeah. fuck up all the time too. <laughs> well, and that's kind of I think that's why as people get vaccinated and all this stuff, it's going to be good. Like, for example, I mean, I think all three of us that are going to be at that Columbia tournament, we got a tournament we're doing on the 15th of May and it's, it's going to be good because people are going to be vaccinated. Don't have to wear masks. It's like, you know, let the, let the 
good science do its work and get your games in because that's how you learn. You don't learn from playing the same people. You'll learn your basic like improvements on how the crew works. But mm -hmm. when you start interacting with somebody from a different meta and it doesn't even have to be world, you just somebody who plays in a different city than you, you're going to learn a lot of different mechanics and tricks that you, you haven't used before. I, I remember the first tournament I went to for Malifaux. I literally, it was something stupid that it was maybe my, sixth game playing Malifaux and literally just seeing how people are like, I'm going to move up and then I'm going to, you know, concentrate. And I was like, Oh, is that what people usually do in their, you know, first interactions <laughs> in the game? I'm like, okay, I'll move up and I'll concentrate. Okay. This is cool. I'm doing stuff. <laughs> and you just learn. Yeah. Yeah. I really can't wait to play new players. Absolutely. Are, I'm look, really looking forward to playing Dixon too. Are yeah. you guys not playing in the, are you guys not playing the Vassal tournament? Uh, I, I, I've given up on Basil. I've I haven't gotten into it. I think I, Dixon is. Dude, they keep ducking me. They keep ducking me. I've been trying to get them both to get a game with me on Basil, but they rather I go to South Carolina, ten hours away from here. Oh yeah, bring your ass down on a bus. Oh, I, just, I, need to, I need to download Basil. I don't even have Basil on my computer. It takes three minutes. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, uh, when you play Basil, the first game, like the first two games, is going to be hard until you learn the hotkeys, and then it gets easy. Yep. You have to commit the hotkeys to memory, and then after that, it's like, it's it's faster than in person, in my opinion. If if you've played, I will say this: if you've played other Vassal games, like I played uh, Guild Ball Vassal games, mm -hmm. it, it's it's easy to pick up. Like it's not hard, just for me because you know I have a family and I don't I I work at home on my computer. I don't want to sit for another two, three hours playing a Malifo game on my computer. Also, you don't have to because you have Chris and other people that will play with you in person. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't have that. that. Yeah, I don't have that luxury. I don't get to do that. <laughs> Not until the vaccines are out. And then... All right. I got mine tomorrow, and then the next one is going to be May the 10th. So by the time I go to the tournament, I'll have both, but I'll still be in that tender, you know, in that tender mid-range where I may or may not still get it. Yeah, you're 90% yeah. after the first one. Right. And a couple weeks, obviously. But um, <laughs> yeah, Brian, so is there anything you want to plug or shout out before we uh, roll on up out of here? Other than everyone playing on Vassal and that if you're not playing, you should play on it. Oh. And obviously, they thanks to my meta because my meta is the best. Yeah, I definitely will say that it was funny kind of watching the Texas meta kind of emerge, right? Because everybody, especially on the East Coast, had like their mindset of how the game kind of works. And then all of a sudden, Texas was just like, pow, right in the kisser. Pow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I still it, remember the first time that I played against Nick. Nick Dub was literally the first person from Texas that I got to play against. And that's uh, when I realized Nick. the depth of this game goes way, way deeper than I thought. And and I and it got the ball rolling for me to try to get better. Then I played Andre, I played Brian, I played a whole bunch of people from the Texas meta that I'm forgetting right now, and I'm so sorry. Well, but you I, guys taught me to be aggressive, and now in many of my circles, I'm known as the aggressive player from Virginia. Well, and I think there's <laughs> uh, there's there's a balance there, right? Because yeah, you want to be aggressive, but you got to pick the spot. Like you yeah. got to realize that it's like this is open. I can go destroy that right now you have to yeah, know you just have to learn to when to be aggressive yeah yeah exactly right because i think dixon you told me that you were playing against andre and you were like yeah he just had like 10 focus and then just came in and just murdered the crap out of yeah, me yeah, yeah. yeah well he, the actual number was four and that's still super impressive and gross on nikima yeah like, he yeah, had I mean, four focus and just came into my crew like a fucking 
hot knife through butter. It was just Jesus Christ. Yeah, Andre will table you by turn three. If you let him. <laughs> it's very common. Yeah. Uh, my first couple of games against him has always been like I, I had nightmares about playing against him. It's sure. terrible. That's funny. All right. Well, make sure that everybody's checking us out on all the uh, all the places that were available. Got a lot of content coming out. We're getting back to releasing a podcast about about one a week. So you can expect more content coming out, which is always great. And yeah, Brian, once again, this, thanks for coming on, man. It was great talking with you. Yeah, thanks for having I guess. Uh, happy to be on. All right. Well, make sure that you guys are flipping those cards, flipping those tables. Don't forget about your dark horses, and we will see you all next time.